And we will go to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Once again, we'll use this passage as our launching pad, so to speak. Ecclesiastes chapter number 4. And I'll also have the verses up on the screen. And I will do a little bit of review. And it's good to have some guests with us and see Dan Clark out there as well. Uh, returning guest slash member slash all the above. So good to have you with us. <laughs> Ecclesiastes chapter number four. And we see here again, as we go back to this topic of critical theory, it's in the news, it's in our schools, it's in our government, it's being forced upon even our military to some degree. It is very per- pervasive. I'm not an expert on this. Again, I've done a fair amount of research and study. I've tried to put this together as best I can in a way that hopefully uh, is able to be understood. And uh, I don't want to uh, shoot it over our heads, nor do I want to uh, be too uh, dumbed down uh, with it. Uh, this is a real issue. And again, the reason I feel so strongly about it is because critical theory functions as a worldview. It is a set of glasses or lenses that people are putting on, figuratively speaking, by which they are looking at the world. And we as believers have got to know how to answer for what is being said. As, as people out in the working world or places of recreation, wherever we are at in relationships, Uh, There are unsaved people who don't even understand all that we are talking about, but they have picked up on bits and pieces of it. But there are systems of government and of power, places, even corporations, that have bought into this this theory, and uh, it functions as a worldview. So it's important, very important for us that we know and understand from a biblical perspective how to deal with, how to answer this particular attack upon the authority of God's word. Now again, Ecclesiastes 4, Solomon is allowed by God, inspired by God, to write from man's perspective about human life. Seeing life from man's perspective. And we have an inspired account here where Solomon writes, So I returned and considered all the oppressions that are done under the sun. And behold, the tears of such as were oppressed, and they had no comforter. And on the side of their oppressors there was power, but they had no comforter. Solomon identifies oppressions. He identifies oppressors and the oppressed. And from a merely human perspective, they have no comfort. There's all of these injustices in the world. Who is going to deal with them? Who is going to take care of them? Who is going to bring justice to the land? From a human perspective, for just a short time here, we see Solomon despairing. There's no comforter. So he says in verse 2, I praise the dead which are already dead, more than the living which are yet alive. Yea, better is he than both they which hath not yet been, who hath not seen the evil work that is done under the sun. It had been better to have never been born than to have experienced the injustices of life. This is the despairing Simply human man perspective that Solomon gives us just for this brief passage here. 
And that's what Ecclesiastes does, back and forth. We see life from man's perspective, we see life from God's perspective. He goes back and forth. I considered all travail, verse 4, and every right work, that for this a man is envied of his neighbor. This is also vanity and vexation of spirit. There is envy. There is this desire to have what other people have. Maybe somebody has something more or better. And there's that covetousness that, that, that comes. And we see how pervasive that is in society. And then he says in verse 5, The fool foldeth his hands together and eateth his own flesh. Better is a handful with quietness than both the hands full with travail and vexation of spirit. And he throws up his hands and he says, Better to have a little bit, a handful, with peace, with quietness, than to have all of this stuff and it be full of travail and vexation of spirit. So Ecclesiastes 4 gives us a perspective. Again, this is the God-breathed Word of God. And he gives us a perspective from man's view, absent of God, and this is what he, he sees. This is what Solomon uh, despairs of. So how do we answer that? What do we do about that? We would even empathize or sympathize, relate to Solomon to some degree, wouldn't we? There's injustice in the world, grave injustices. There have been wrongs in our history here in America. We sometimes hear it referred to as the, 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 the American experiment. There were ideals that were written into the Declaration of Independence, into our Constitution. Ideals that were good and were necessary, in many cases biblically based. But we have struggled to meet those ideals. We have dealt with slavery and Jim Crow laws. And there has been abuses of power and abuse of position there have been injustices. The court system and the justice system sometimes lands on the wrong side of, uh, of the law or of what is, uh, what is right or of good and of evil. Sometimes the, the justice system and courts and judges will, will uh, legislate or pass laws or have a ruling that is clearly contrary to what is right. And, and there's a frustration. I, I prayed about a couple of bills, one in the state legislature, one on the national scene that is in Congress, that in the states could protect unborn life and be on the side of life, or on the national scene that could actually codify into law something that actually cannot actually function or exist called same-sex marriage. Same-sex marriage is not truly marriage. It is a social construct that is not truly functional as marriage. We, we know that. We understand that. From a biblical perspective, there is no such thing as same-sex marriage. But that is being pushed now. It's already passed the House of Representatives. If the Senate votes for it, it would codify into law same-sex marriage beyond just what the Supreme Court did in the Oberfell decision in 2015. And we know that that's going to add another layer of persecution against believers, against those who hold to the biblical position of marriage and male and female and all that goes with that. We know that's going to lead to another layer, another level of attacks upon those who hold to biblical positions on marriage and on gender. So we know we see a broken world, injustice, abuse of power and position. 
how do we deal with it? Well, critical theory takes a different perspective, puts on glasses and a worldview, lenses that see life from a perspective that is not based on the Bible, that is not based on God and his word. And critical theory is not biblical. And we watched a video last week. I won't show this one again. We'll move on to a second one. But I'll come back to some of the points that we made last week. But let me move on to uh, the next video. We'll watch this and hopefully um, we can get better sound. I'm, I stayed up here so that I could get the, the, uh, the sound system. So let's see if I can get this video to, to work. And then we will come back to this. Is that coming through? Still not coming through? Okay, so once again, critical theory takes the view that everything has to do with power and the balance of power. So critical theory says that those in power always use their power for oppression of those with less power or no power. That's the principal view. It's, it's always a tool of oppression, power is. Concepts. In critical theory, 
Things like race, sexual orientation, and gender determine whether we are part of the oppressed or one of the oppressors. While we are all unique, characteristics that may be an asset in one context could be a liability in another. For example, what makes you privileged in New York City may make you oppressed in Iran. Individuals who are privileged in a meeting of the Southern Baptist Convention may be oppressed across the street at a gathering of the Human Rights Campaign. Reality doesn't support the idea that a person will always be oppressed because of X or always be privileged because of Y. In the same way, the idea that all women, all Chinese people, or all Muslims have the same experience just isn't true, which leads to the third point. Lived experience is not an infallible guide to truth. Critical theory argues that the lived experience of oppressed groups gives them unique insights into truth that should not be challenged. While everyone deserves to be heard, no one should be above critique because we are all capable of being wrong. Does an allergic reaction to vaccines mean I have an unchallengeable access to truth about vaccine safety? Does a religious experience give rise to an unchallengeable claim to truth about religion? Every parent understands that it is very possible to feel oppressed without actually being oppressed. Our experiences are important, but they are not always important. In a broken world, experience leads us away from truth as often as it leads us to it. Our experiences should be understood, but one reason life is best lived in community is that we are all capable of misunderstanding our experiences. Parents, friends, counselors, teachers, and pastors can share perspectives that may not be obvious to us. What critical theory calls oppression, others might call wisdom, which leads to the formula. Critical theory is self-defeating because it ignores the power dynamics it creates. Critical theory claims that when one group gains dominance over another, it should be overthrown. In some places, however, critical theory has the power. Therefore, by its own rules, in places like public universities, critical theory should be overthrown by those it silences and oppresses, who, coincidentally, happen to be the same people critical theory overthrew to begin with. Effectively, critical theory calls for endless revolution and discontent in the name of preventing anyone from ever having power. Though the abuse of power is undeniably bad, social order is undeniably good. Critical theory confuses influence for power. We don't hate influence or even power. We hate it whenever influence and power are used in the wrong ways. Instead of revolting against everything that has influence, we should see to it that cultural influences are used on behalf of what is good, true, and beautiful. Critical theory identifies a real problem, but gives us nothing to aspire to. We don't want to be mad at each other all the time. We want to understand how a world full of people who are different can live together cooperatively. That certainly requires us to understand how power dynamics work, but it requires us to understand many other things as well. So next time someone tells you that decent people should embrace critical theory because critical theory opposes oppression, Remember these four things. Power and oppression does not explain everything. Power is real and oppression exists, but so does love, kindness, respect, and charity. 
And sometimes they're a better explanation for what we see. Power and privilege are relative concepts. Your privilege may not extend to the next room, much less the next country. Lived experience is not an infallible guide to truth. We all have unique experiences and we all deserve to be understood. But our experiences don't make us right, and none of us is above critique. Critical theory is self-defeating because it ignores the power dynamics it creates. Once the oppressed take power from the oppressors, that makes them the oppressors. And then we start all over again. What sense does that make? For what would you say? I'm Joseph Battle. Here to conversate. Okay, so sorry about the volume, the sound issues there but hopefully you were able to follow along at least enough to get the, the four points there and see the errors of critical theory. And there's a component to critical theory called critical race theory that we'll look at in a little bit more detail here in just a few minutes. But once again, critical theory is a worldview. It claims to have knowledge of the source of evil as well as for the solution. What does critical theory say is the source of evil or the cause of evil? What is the evil in the world? Power, right? And everything is based on power. They make a very good point in the video about power is uh, misrepresented or misunderstood because power can be just simply influence. And doesn't mean that just because there is authority or there is power that it is going to be oppressive or it is going to be evil. But what does that again attack? It attacks authority. Satan is against God's authority in every way. Satan believes in authority. He believes in it. He has even authority structures, Ephesians 6, that we've looked at on Wednesday nights. The powers of darkness. But Satan's view of authority is completely wrong. He wants everybody to submit to his authority and not to God's authority. So institutions, family, government, all of the institutions are considered abuses of power. They are power structures that need to be brought down because they are inherently evil because power is always used for oppression. Does that not function as a worldview? It certainly does. But is power what the Bible calls the source of, of sin and of evil and of unrighteousness? No. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's the depravity of man, our sinful condition, our inherent sinfulness. Critical theory, critical theory fails to offer any hope for redemption or salvation. What does critical theory offer as salvation? Nothing. Oh, more oppression, really. The overthrow of whatever is in power or in authority and replace it with what? More power and authority. And they make a point in the video that even critical theory has the power in some places right now. So doesn't that mean it should be overthrown? And then it's just that vicious cycle, which we, don't, we know then turns into every man doing what is right in his own eyes, because now we have internalized truth personalized truth, I decide truth for myself, and then it just becomes the book of Judges in anarchy, mob rule. And where there are 
the breakdowns of all the social, social structures, all the authorities, government, etc. What do we have? We have places like Sri Lanka that I mentioned last week where the government has basically collapsed and people are running through the pre presidential palace, jumping in his pool, running through his bedroom, etc., etc. Or we have places like Haiti where there really hasn't been a, a government reestablished since the assassination of their president and it's basically a anarchy down there. And then there's places around the world that have gone through, what, 14 different constitutions, 14 different autocrats, places where there have been a dictator that have resulted in impoverishedness for the regular uh, people while a certain small group runs the country and takes all the wealth. We can have example after example after example of where communism, where socialism has not worked, where people are left in abject poverty or assassinated, murdered. We can talk about the spawning of critical theory in the French Revolution, which was brought up last week. Jacques Rousseau and his ideas, who himself took five of his kids and sent them to orphanages. His five kids were made orphans. He himself refused to be their father and sent them to orphanages where there was abuse and poverty and his own kids were served injustice at the hands of Jacques Rousseau who said he was overthrowing and solving all the problems of injustice. Well, what did that lead to? We talked last week about how that led to Marxism and how it led to Stalinism and communism and you have Stalin who murdered and assassinated and, 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 and led the, the, the USSR and, and Russia into all, all kinds of abuses and millions of people died. And then Lenin, who took it even further. And then you have the Pol Pot and Khmer Rouge uh, there in uh, Cambodia, Thailand, in that area. And we can go on and on with examples. Okay? So critical theory offers no hope for redemption or salvation. There's no forgiveness. There's no hope. And it ultimately does what? Undermines the authority of God's word. New definitions for sin and evil. Unbiblical definitions. Salvation is social activism, overthrow of authority, and God is replaced with man-centered power systems. That's what critical theory does. So when churches, when denominations, accept critical theory and call it a tool for understanding race, call it a tool for understanding the world, they are accepting to some measure compromise that undermines the authority of the Word of God. Okay? It doesn't mean that we can't recognize racism and call it what it is and deal with it from a biblical perspective. It doesn't mean that we can't see abuses of authority and see injustice and deal with it from a biblical perspective. Of course we can. But to adopt critical theory into the church or into denominations, into so-called Christian organizations, it's compromise. Essentially, what it does is it undermines the Word of God. Okay, so now we're going to go to the, the subset of critical theory that we often hear nowadays called CRT, or critical race theory. And I'm going to borrow some information from the Heritage Foundation, which is a, a conservative group 
And I have uh, read after uh, their materials uh, quite a bit in preparation for this, and I find a lot of their stuff very, very helpful. So we hear the terms systemic racism. We hear that, and we, ha- we hear athletes, celebrities, talk about how there is systemic racism, even though they're making millions of dollars off of what is supposedly a racist system from capitalism to <laughs> whatever they want to call it, free market, and, and yet they're making millions of dollars uh, on a system that's supposedly uh, against them. Okay, So, according to critical race theory, racism is systemic and structural. Now, I'm going I'm to park there for a minute. Are there people who are racist, who have bias and prejudice against minority groups based on skin color, ethnicity, Yes, it's a sin. It is a sin. And James even talks about, in James 2, he talks about the prejudice of people in the church against those who are poor because they are giving special seats to the wealthy. So racism is a form of prejudice. Racism we know is a sin where we look down on a certain group of people based on their skin color or their ethnicity. And again, we see that abuse of power in a sinful way in lots of different social relationships. It's not always just skin color that is used as prejudice. It is definitely, one, slavery was wrong. It was a moral evil. Jim Crow laws were a moral evil. They were wrong. Prejudice, that kind of bias and prejudice is sinful. But it's also sinful for people to take their prejudices against people for other things besides race or skin color, like James 2 talks about. There are people who have prejudices and biases against the poor. And he mentions that even in the church and how the privileged are given special seats in the church, and James calls the church out for that. He says, aren't the rich, aren't the people that are the wealthy and the powerful, aren't they the ones who are abusing the church? Aren't they the ones who are attacking the church? Aren't they the ones who are living immoral lives? But when they come to the church, you give them the special privileges, the special seats, but you ignore the poor, you ignore the the ones who are in poverty? He says, that should not be. Very strong words in James 2 about that. So can there be people who then set up in places of power systems of prejudice and bias? Can people bring into an organization, into a corporation, into a group, can they put people who are in their line of thinking and put them in places of authority? Can they do that? Yes. So in that sense, there can be systemic a group, an organization that has people in authority who all have the same prejudices and biases. In that case, there can be systemic or structural racism. But is every institution from top down completely biased and prejudiced against minority groups in every way? From the police to the government to... Go ahead. Yes. Go ahead. Right, right. We're racist, so. 
Right, yeah, okay. <laughs> yes, it, it, it ends up, right, I know what you're saying. So there is this idea that everything all the time, every authority, every, every organization, every structure of power that's in place is by its very nature racist, okay? It is embedded in America's legal system, CRT says its institutions, its free enterprise system, and it imposes whiteness as the societal norm. The system, including capitalism, is rigged to reward white behavior and preserve white supremacy. That's what CRT teaches. That was even in math textbooks in the state of Florida that Governor DeSantis said, we're not going to put those in our schools. Okay? So, we can see how biased this is, even in its own definition of bias and prejudice and racism. It itself is biased. Okay? It is saying whiteness has inf infected everything, from the legal system to the institutions to the capitalistic society, free enterprise system, and everything is rigged to reward white behavior and preserve white supremacy. Okay? So the answer or the rebuttal is in the, is, is next to the uh, asterisk there. CRT improperly focuses on completely overhauling our social order as a cure to any individual racism that still exists in America instead of recognizing the individual factors and solutions involved. Okay? So what does critical theory, we talked about it last week in the first video it was brought out, what does critical theory do, it takes away individual responsibility. Critical theory basically says the system, the environment, the culture is evil and has caused me to have my problems. I am not responsible. And the moral authority comes with what? What did we talk about last week? Moral authority comes with intersectionality. The more oppressed you are, according to critical theory, the more moral authority you have. So you can be a queer and you can have more moral authority than someone who is a preacher of the Bible, a teacher of the Bible. Because queer theory trumps biblical teaching. Because in critical theory, a queer has more moral authority because they are more oppressed. They have had supposedly more oppression. We understand how dangerous this is. This undermines scriptural authority. This undermines truth. And then if I personalize and internalize my truth, then I can be a cross-dressing male pervert dancing a jig in some bar and a school field trip can come and little kids can put money in the G-strings of male pervert cross-dressers and for someone to call that out and say this is perversion, this is abuse of kids, they'll say no, you're the abuser because you're not allowing us to live out our truth. See where this goes? I know I'm giving some extreme examples but then you turn that into race and it becomes, if you so much as question someone of a certain skin color who is declaring error, who is 
promoting what is wrong, according to the Bible, you're racist. Okay? I've dealt with this firsthand as the principal of a Christian school. I've dealt with parents who have already begun to buy into this, who call themselves Christians. And I have been in long email exchanges and conversations with parents who I had no authority over their child because I was the white man. Okay? And I'm not, again, I'm not trying to put us into scare mode here, but this is where some people are at. And I think we understand uh, that this is a very dangerous thing. So that's one of the components of critical race theory. Let's go on. Critical race theory proponents say American culture is a conspiracy to perpetuate white supremacy by imposing white concepts on people of other races. Thus, members of minority groups must reject habits and ideas practiced by other cultures, even if the activities promote community cohesion and individual well-being. CRT champions curriculum, diversity, equity, and inclusion. DEI is the acronym. That separate individuals by race, teach that concepts such as being on time, hard work, and literacy are products of white values and should be rejected by minorities. A, a, a short summary rebuttal, people of all colors and national backgrounds come here and flourish because our culture embraces common human, humanity and dignity. So hard work, literacy, being on time are racist. That's where some of the institutions, schools, that's where some of the uh, education and even our government are at. This is what is being taught now. Even I think it's getting into the military. So if you are a lazy slob who can't pick up your, your, pick up your government-issued gun and point it at an enemy because that would be considered racism, I mean, what, what kind of military are we going to have? Discipline, hard work, our white, uh, what's, the, what's the word, uh, our, our white uh, concepts, uh, oppressions. Dangerous stuff, isn't it? Okay. Do, do, we, do, we understand, do we understand that race is easily replaced with queer? Race is easily replaced with one of the letters of the LGBTQIA, whatever other comes after that. Do we realize how quickly that gets replaced with those? Okay. And then we can go on. I'm not going to read this all, but white privilege, again, uh, books that have been written about this. So American culture cements white supremacy. We are born as white people with uh, racism, racism uh, built in, uh, whiteness premium. And then we go on down. Reflecting its Marxist origins, CRT asserts that to achieve the unification of the working class, whites must recognize their white privilege and renounce it. Any curricular diversity, equity, and inclusion program that compels students or employees to accept their white privilege or work to abandon it are part of CRT. Okay? And then the next paragraph goes on to say that even whites have rigged the system. So merit and success are not, obje are not objective, designed to keep white individuals on top. That comes into hiring metrics, workplace benchmarks even punctuality, logical thinking. So now math is racist because it implies or it, it uses logic and critical thinking. 
any curriculum or training program that says colorblindness is a myth and advocates for eliminating standard measurements of success, including standardized testing for university admissions for reasons of racial equity are part of CRT. This is dangerous stuff. And what, what, what eventually happens is the dehumanizing of certain groups of people. The dehumanizing, what's that? Of us, of us right, right. And then what, it, what does it ultimately, what does it ultimately, it becomes LGBT, that uh, substitutes for race, and then the attack ultimately becomes upon Christianity, upon God's word, upon the authority of, of God and his word. So a rebuttal, a short rebuttal, individual choices and decisions have a greater impact on our happiness, well-being, and success than any other factor. Social science research finds that once family characteristics are accounted for, racial differences in life outcomes are significantly diminished. Think about that for a minute. If I can do this here. Social science, this is just in the research that's out there. Once family characteristics are accounted for, racial differences in life outcomes are significantly diminished. What does Satan attack? The family. We talked last week about how critical theory ultimately erases all of natural law. It's not just the institutions that have to come down. It's even natural law that has to come down. Biology. A woman shouldn't have to be pregnant. That's a biological law that should be removed. Abortion, that life growing within her needs to die at all costs. Because that biological law that says once she's pregnant, that baby needs to be born, that biological law is a poison, is a disease. See, all of that comes down in critical theory. And... The family is under attack in critical theory. Children from intact families are less likely to spend time in prison or face poverty than children from non-intact families. Hard work, honesty, and integrity are character traits that breed success no matter one's ethnicity, culture, or economic status. Okay? Earl? Yes. Yes. If we're in India, it's in Pakistan, then it's in Hindus and the Muslims. All of these end up in violence yep. and warfare. Yes. So, yep. now, we understand spiritually, you know, Paul 2,000 years ago said these kind of people were fighting themselves to do what they became fools. Right. We understand God's in control of all this. But politically, day by day, is what we're talking about in our country. Do you see them ending up as some kind of violent clash? I don't know. I see very well where it could be because if God does, by his own providence, remove his mercy, then what's man going to be left to? Man's going to be left to violence, to collisions. I don't know where it's going to go, but I do know we need to recognize this and we need to have an answer for it, but it could, it could result in violence. Yes? Oh, right. It's not, it's not right. Right. That are not making the order properly or 
right. or in a rush to servitude, having a right. bad attitude. So I think it's our whole culture yeah. that's transformed. Yeah, it could. Yeah, it could be an implosion rather than a, exactly. yeah. So I don't think, so to answer that question, I don't think it's going to be violent because those who are going to fight back ultimately through natural attrition mm-hmm. won't be there to fight anymore. Be it mm-hmm. COVID or some other disease that takes out the, mm-hmm. the greatest generation or, or those others that mm-hmm. oppose these things, we're just not going to be here anymore. Mm-hmm. Assuming, well, if we get raptured out, right. better. But, right. Yeah, right. But, but at some point, the people who oppose that have to be removed. Good, good point. Your point is, we as believers in this body, we can't act with essence. Right. We this. Right. Exactly. Yes, Earl? This is the second of my three. Yes. Yeah, we got one left. <laughs> It's 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 there. It's it's coming in even more. Yep, and they use the DEI acronym. Uh, number four, equi- equity sounds like equality, but under critical race theory, it has become its functional opposite. Equality means equal treatment of all Americans under the law, but CRT's equity demands race-based discrimination because systemic racism has produced disparities between the races, and because the system will deepen these disparities. By rewarding the wrong criteria, government must treat individual Americans unequally according to skin color to forcibly produce equal outcomes. Advocating equity over equality is part of CRT. So equality has now become equal outcomes at the government forcing that to to happen. And I always go back to the illustration of a group project. If you have a group project, you almost always have somebody in the group who is a lazy bum and they get the same grade as everybody else. And you're pulling teeth, you're dragging George, and no offense to George, but you're dragging George, um, and you're pulling teeth, and you're dealing with this person who won't contribute their part, but they get the same grade. And in a sense, that's what's happening more and more. It's, it's reducing down to the lowest level, and then rewarding what is really not progress, success. It's rewarding, in turn, evil and sin and laziness, etc. Okay. Equal opportunity doesn't produce equal outcomes. If two people are given the same opportunity, but when one takes advantage of it, they will naturally have different outcomes. And there's obviously other factors that come into place, too. The only way government can try to produce equal outcomes for them is by taking away the result from the first person or unfairly giving the unearned benefit to the second. Attempts by government officials to take the fruits of your achievements and give them to those who did not earn it will hurt those whose rewards are diminished, as well as the intended beneficiaries. 
Okay. So I'm going to conclude with this. Galatians 3, verses 26 through 29. For you are all the children of God. How? By faith in Christ Jesus. We're all made in the image of God. That gives us dignity. But as children of God, by faith in Christ Jesus, we are sons of God, children of God. John 1 uh, speaks to this as well. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ, that is the placing of the believer into Christ, spiritual baptism, the placing of that believer into Christ, even as for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. Now it is, now is it saying that we no longer have any of those distinctions on this side of heaven? No, it's not saying that. It's just simply saying that we are one in Christ. We're still going to have distinctions. There's, they're, they're just going to be there, this side of heaven. But we are one in Christ, in him. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed, the spiritual component. We'll even get to that, Lord willing, in the sermon today. Then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We have to keep coming back to what Scripture teaches. Racism is a sin, one of many sins that need to be repented of and forgiven. But there are many other manifestations of sin, and CRT does not explain it correctly, does not identify the source correctly, nor does it have a correct solution. Because it ultimately undermines the authority of God's word. And so I know I've zipped through this. Final comments or questions, and then we'll have to dismiss. I hope I did not come across the wrong way with any of this. Um, I think that we just need to be informed as believers and be able to understand what is being talked about out there and how to respond biblically. Any closing comments or questions? Derek? Yes. Yes. Correct. Correct. And, and that's, that's where this is going. It, it looks like right now it's just a tool to deal with the racism and the injustice in society. But we know that it is really an agenda from, we know it's a satanic antichrist agenda to ultimately come after Christians in the church. We recognize that. Yeah, good point. All right, Derek, do you mind closing us in prayer? And then we'll...